Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. All right, Central, how we doing? Great to have you here this weekend. For those of you who have not had the chance to meet personally, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors that gets to speak around here. So glad to have you this weekend. Uh, how was Christmas? Good? Uh, I really hope you had a great Christmas with your family, your friends, or whoever you chose to spend Christmas with. And now we're in this season, we're preparing for a brand new year. Hard to imagine. 2019 is coming to an end. We're about to embark on a brand new decade. It's kind of amazing. Uh, I, I love this season. I mean, there's something about standing on the brink of a new year that just gives us the chance to kind of wipe the slate clean. It's actually like a, a reset button. That no matter what the previous year held, I mean, the, the next year is completely unwritten. It's an unwritten story. And so it holds endless possibilities, endless opportunities. And I love this season because it's a season that allows us to dream. Uh, now, now, this week, as I was kind of preparing for this and preparing for the new year, I ran across a, a few things of some people who made some observations about the new year that I thought I would share with you. And so here's a couple of these observations. The first one was this. Somebody said, I was going to quit all my bad habits for the new year, but then I remembered nobody really likes a quitter. Well played. Uh, here, here's another person that wrote this. To kickstart my new year, I took an IQ test and the results were negative. Uh, well played. This is my personal favorite. Somebody said this, my New Year's resolution is to help all my friends gain 10 pounds so that I look skinnier. Well played. Well played, right? Uh, but, but truthfully, I, I love this season because it's the season that really happens every year in my life that allows me to dream again. Again, no matter what happened in 2019 or even happened before that, this is a season that allows us to begin to dream big dreams again, to kind of have big visions again, because there's a reset button that naturally happens because the next year is a completely unwritten story. Again, un endless, uh, endless amount of possibilities, endless amount of opportunities. And so very practically, and I do this every single year during this week, is I start to, to make some goals. I know some people make New Year's resolutions. Maybe this is the same thing. I tend to be a pretty goal-driven person. And so I try to really gain some clarity around some goals in different aspects of my life. And so I thought I would share with you very practically an exercise that I do literally every single year, one that I'm literally doing this moment. I think about my life in some kind of different buckets. You know, you know, what would God have for my life personally and professionally and spiritually and even, even financially? And I really begin this, this, this process where it's not just about what am I dreaming and what do I want for my life, but again, to prayerfully ask the question, what does God want for my life in each one of these areas? I believe in a God of second chances. I believe in a God who, who, who gives us a new hope and a new dream. I believe in a God who wants us to dream bigger dreams and to have bigger visions. And so truthfully, kind of with that posture, I kind of take this posture prayer and ask God, God, what do you want for my life personally over this next year? And my encouragement for you is to, to very practically over the next few days to to begin to ask God that very thing for your life. What would he have for you personally? What's, what's God's dream for your life in this coming year? Uh, maybe for some of us, it's, it's to trim a couple of pounds or to get back in the gym and to get back into shape. Maybe we wanna run a 5K race or a half marathon. Maybe our personal dreams are more relationally driven. Maybe we wanna start a family. We wanna adopt a child. Maybe we wanna become a foster parent. 
Uh, maybe we've been dating for somebody for quite some time, and this is the year to seal that commitment to become engaged and ultimately become married. If you were to dream about what the next year would hold, what would you dream? If you were to think about it professionally, what are the things that you dream about professionally? Uh, maybe you aspire to a promotion or maybe a, a new job. Maybe you want to pursue a different career path altogether. Uh, maybe you want to go back to school or maybe God has birthed a dream in your heart to start a brand new business or something brand new that you've always thought about but you've never had the courage to take the leap. What if this year was the year that you took that leap? If you had the ability to dream, what would you dream? When you think about it spiritually, what would you dream? What would God have for you spiritually in the next year? Uh, maybe you want to spend some time consistently you know, in prayer with him or, or reading scripture on a daily basis. Uh, maybe you want to get plugged in and serve in some capacity and use your God-given gifts to make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, maybe for you it's about uh, taking the step that you've always thought about, you've just never taken the step in the step of baptism, that maybe this is the year as you think about a brand new start, about a new beginning, that you experience that personally, spiritually, as you surrender your life and you choose to be baptized, maybe you will even choose to do that today. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, right? Uh, but even like financially, if you were to think about it, what would you dream about? That no matter what the, the past has been, if you had the ability to dream, what would you dream and maybe for some of us, we aspire to a certain level of an income, or, or maybe we want to eradicate debt, or maybe we want to save, or save for our kids' future college, or maybe we, we have a dream related to what we would give and, and be a difference maker in some capacity. I just, I just want to kind of open it up. If, if you were to truly dream in each one of these areas of your life, what would you dream? And I'm just kind of convinced that, that this is so important for so many reasons. And so my encouragement to you in a very practical way to spend some time prayerfully over the next few days and to really try to get clarity around each one of these areas of my life. Uh, what I do is I try to hone it down to one thing in each one of these areas that becomes the crystallized vision for the next year. But here's why this is so incredibly important in my own life. And one of the reasons I'd love to share with you that I hope that it becomes more important in your life is this, is that if you don't have a vision for your future, you'll likely return to the past. And I think that's probably true for all of us. And so that's why this becomes such a deep conviction for me personally. If I don't have a dream for the future, I will likely return to my past. And the reason so many times that we just kind of are a part of the same old, same old, and nothing ever becomes different is I don't have a vision for something different. I don't have a vision for something greater. And so my hope, my prayer is that God gives you a powerful vision for what's ahead. You know, I'm somebody, and I've shared this with you before, that without glasses, I am as blind as a bat. I really can't see at all. And, and even with corrective lenses, I don't have 2020 vision. But my prayer is that God gives me a vision for 2020, right? And that, that's my hope and my prayer, not just for myself, that I, I don't know what your eyesight's like. You may not have 2020 vision. But my prayer is that God gives you and gives me, gives us a vision for 2020. I believe in a God of second chances. I believe in a God uh, that, that, that creates a blank slate. And whatever's happened in the past is not an indicator of what God can write as far as our new story. I think that we can dream big dreams. And if we don't have a vision for the future, it will likely return to the past. And so I wanna talk about what those dreams might look like for us. And I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know what God will plant in your life, but whatever dreams that he plants in your life, what I wanna talk about today is what does it look like to step into that vision? What does it look like to live 
out those dreams and really experience God's best for us in the coming year. And so I wanna take us to a place in the Bible that is a fantastic narrative that's located in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. When we get to the book of Genesis chapter 12, we meet this, this, this guy by the name of Abram and God gives Abram a powerful dream, gives him an incredible, incredible vision. And what we learn from Abram's life are some, some incredibly powerful principles of what it looks like to step into the vision and the dreams that God might have for us. And so as we lean into Genesis chapter 12, one of the principles we'll learn from Abram's life is this, is we've gotta be people who stop talking and start walking. There were people, we, we stop talking and, and, and we start walking. Again, Genesis chapter 12, if you've got a Bible, you can go to Genesis chapter 12, the words will also show up on the screen. Help me out with the highlighted words. Go ahead and shout those out, out with me uh, so that we know that you're, you're with me. So here we go. Genesis chapter 12, verse one says this. It says, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And so basically what God says is, hey, Abram, I got a new dream for you. And it's not connected to what you've known in the past. I actually want you to leave everything that you've ever known. You, you, you grew up in your homeland. It was, a, it was a place called Ur. Abram was from Ur, okay? And so uh, we don't know a lot about Ur. Ur was an ancient city in kind of an ancient world. But what we do know is kind of a happening place in Mesopotamia. It was, it was a fairly wealthy city. It, it probably had pretty high scores on trip advisory. It was a place that people liked to go. I mean, if you were to visit Ur in the ancient world, you'd probably pick up this t-shirt. I love Ur, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a place. I think that might have been a picture of Abram in his t-shirt, right? And so it, it was kind of a place. And so what, what God was calling him from is from a place that he had always known, a place that he was very grounded. It's where his family was. It's where his job was. It's where he was very well networked. And God says, I want you to leave everything that you've ever known. And I want you to embark on a new vision, a new dream. And I want to call you into the unknown. Now, if you've ever taken a step like that, that's a very intimidating step. There's a lot of fears that are associated with the unknown. But I promise whatever the dream is that God's given birth in your, in your heart, it will call you to leave behind that which you know and begin to step into what you don't yet know. If God calls you to start a new business, if God calls you to adopt a child, if God calls you to this new dream, I promise it will call you to let go of what you've known to embrace something that is currently unknown. It can be an intimidating part of the journey. Now the challenge with that which is familiar is familiarity usually leads to a place of comfort. And it's sometimes so hard to step away from that which we know because that which we know is very comfortable. Now I, in my life, I don't think I know anybody who loves comfort more than my youngest son, Austin. Austin loves his comfort. Uh, case in point, last year when he was nine years old, he asked for Christmas, he asked Santa for a mattress. How many nine-year-olds do you know that what his, the top of his Christmas list was a comfortable mattress, right? This year rolls around, top of his Christmas list, he wanted a comfortable blanket and the world's most comfortable pajamas. My kid loves his comfort, right? Uh, I don't know what he's gonna do someday when he's got a job and he can't wear his pajamas to work. If there's a job out there that he can wear his pajamas to work, he's in, I know he's in. Like, my, my kid loves his comfort. Now you and I know when it comes to comfort, that, that, that comfort and growth are like the cowboys and winning. They don't really go together, 
Pastor Judd's not here. You take a little shot. You know, I wish for Pastor Judd's sake that the Cowboys did do a little bit more winning. But it's been a tough year, you know, once again. But, but what we know is that comfort and growth, they don't really go together. That usually growth begins where comfort ends. And so many times when God's calling us to a new vision, we sometimes have a hard time letting go of what we know. But when we let go of what we know, that's when the journey really begins. And so we find ourselves in a place that we've got to stop talking and you've got to actually start walking. It's what Abram did. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, you get to the fourth verse. Here's what we find out about Abram and as a part of his story. Here's what it says. It says, so Abram, Abram departed just as the Lord had instructed. And so again, it wasn't just understanding what the dream was and understanding what God's vision was. It was about beginning to take steps and take action and to stop talking and to start walking. It reminds me of a, of a book that I read years ago. It's a book by the, uh, written by a guy by the name of Andy Stanley. He's, he's a pastor in the Atlanta, Georgia area. He wrote this book that's called The Principle of the Path. It's a, it's a very powerful little book, and, and the, the whole idea surrounded around this idea is that many times we have in mind the destination. Again, it's the vision, it's the dream, it's what we aspire to, it's what we love to see come to fruition in our life. We have the idea of the destination, but a destination will not happen haphazardly. We won't just kind of wonder ourselves to these ultimate dreams. That long before the destination is ever experienced, it will be preceded first by everyday decisions. It's our decisions, not our intentions, It's our decisions that ultimately will create a direction in our life, and it's that direction that will ultimately lead to that destination. We can have the best of intentions and never leave Ur. We can have the best of decisions and never go anywhere. And so it's our decisions, not our intentions, that establish a new direction that will ultimately lead to our destination. I believe that God has big dreams for my life and for your life in 2020 and beyond. I believe that God is a God of big dreams, a God of big visions. But if we're gonna experience the big dreams that he has for our lives, we have to be people who are willing to stop talking and start walking. In addition to that, the second principle we'll see in Abram's life is this, is Abram was somebody that learned to stand on God's promise. He learned to stand on God's promise. Here's what I've discovered over the years that when it comes to transformation, when it comes to change, whatever the change is in our life, a change comes to fruition because of two things, our participation and God's promise. And it actually requires both of those things. Again, there's something to our participation. We have to leave Ur. Uh, We have to start walking. We have to start taking steps in a new direction. We have to embark on a new journey. There's something about our participation, but it is not disconnected from God's promise. And God made these promises to Abram. We we read it in the same verses that that I read earlier. I'm gonna start with verse one and get a little bit of a running start. Help me out with the highlighted words. They're the same words over and over again. Just kind of say it with some gusto. It says, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family to the land that, that... Sorry, I didn't set you up for success there. That I will show you. Then he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. 
I will bless you, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all families on earth will be blessed through you. Here's what God says, four times in three verses, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. And basically what he's saying to Abram is sure, I need your participation, but it is very connected to my promise that along the way, I will, I will, I will. In other words, what, what, what God is saying to Abram is I'm asking you to leave, but I will never leave you. I'm asking you to go to a place that is distant, but my presence will never be distant from you. That I will be there every single step of the way. God is, is basically saying that if I've given you the vision, I will help see that vision through. I will have your back. I will be there every step of the way. I'll be there one step in front of you. I'm only just asking that you will follow in my footsteps. Allow me to lead your life. I will always be with you. And we can stand on God's promise. Whatever the vision is, it's a vision from God and not just manufactured for ourselves. It's a vision that God has planted on our hearts. God will help see the vision through. He will, and we can stand on the promise of his presence. Our God is a good God who wants good things to come in our life, and so we can stand on the promise that our God is a good God, a gracious God, a loving God, a forgiving God, a powerful God, a God that can do things beyond our wildest imaginations. We can stand on that promise. So the, whatever the vision is, whatever the dream is, it requires our participation, but it stands on his promise. It's the promise of who he is. The reason this is so important is if we don't have a vision for our future, we'll likely return to our past. And so we have to be people that stop talking and start walking. We have to be people that learn to stand firmly on God's promise. But this last principle is so incredibly important that we've gotta be people who just keep going. We just keep going. Now the reason that's so important is if it's a big dream, if it's a big vision, no matter what area of our life it may be connected to, I promise there will be hardship along the way. There's never been a dream that God has put on my heart that there was an easy path for it to become a reality. There's never been a moment that I'm like, oh, thanks God, we'll just walk this way. This is gonna be a piece of cake. Every single dream that becomes a big dream that God has us chasing after, it will require some tenacity to just keep going because there's gonna be all kinds of things that along the way, they're gonna try to detour us, gonna try to erode the vision, gonna try to get us to stop short of what God ultimately has for us. God has a big dream and many times we've got to just keep going in order to step into that dream. It kind of reminds me of years and years ago, uh, I had this opportunity to take this backpacking trip with a, with a good friend of mine. And uh, he was an outdoorsman, I really was not. I was completely at his mercy to do all the things to kind of survive in the wilderness for a few days. We were gonna do this. Uh, the plan was to do a five-day backpacking trip in. And it was supposed to be a day and a half in, we are gonna stay a couple of days at the destination, and then ultimately is a couple of days back out. Now, it was back before the days of GPS, and we were in such a remote location in Colorado, I don't know that a GPS would have even worked, so we were relying on a map and a compass. The challenge is, when we embarked on the journey, we left the map in the car, and we didn't realize it till we're about a half day in, right? Uh, but we were following the compass. These guys were outdoorsmen. They knew exactly where they were going, and so we just, you know, we, we sat on this course, and we were, we were going, we were going, we were going, 
The challenge is we got to a full two days in and we were not yet at the destination and then doubt started to creep in for us. And we kind of thought, did we take a wrong turn? Did we go a wrong pathway? Are we completely off course? And so we talked about it that night and we decided that we needed to turn back because we weren't really sure that we were on the right track. And so we turned back, we took a couple days to get back to the car, it was there that we looked at the map and discovered we were probably about a half mile from the destination when we turned back. It would have taken us maybe another hour if we would have just keep going. And so we missed out on the destination because we cashed in a little bit too soon. This week I was, I was reading Genesis chapter 12 and for the really first time I saw a detail that I'd never seen before. I love that about reading God's word, that the passage I've read over and over and over again, you know, somehow God illuminates something I'd never seen before. That happened to me this week. I read a detail that I thought, ha, oh, that's so fascinating, that this same principle played out in, in Abram's life. L- look what it says in, in verse four. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from It's not fair for me to give you a word that you're not really sure how to pronounce, but when he set out from Haran. Now, now wait just a minute. You told me that he was leaving Ur to go to the promised land that was called Canaan. The journey was supposed to be from Ur to Canaan. What in the world is he doing in Haran? Why did he end up there, and why was that the place that he left? I had never seen that before. I'd never asked that question before. And the Bible actually answers that question. If you look to the chapter before, you find out how Abram gets to Haran. There was not just Abram, it was actually his entire extended family that were called to make this journey from Ur to the promised land of of Canaan. But it tells us why they stopped in Haran. Look at the previous chapter, it says this. It says, Terah, which was Abram's father, says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson uh, Lot, the son of Haran, and and the daughter-in-law Sarai the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So again, the entire family was called to go from Ur to Canaan, but look what happens next. It says, when they came to Haran, when they came to Haran, they settled. How often has that been true in my journey? that God has given me a dream, a vision of something significant, and somewhere along the way, for whatever reason, I settled for something far short of what God's original dream was. It's kind of fascinating that what happened in Abram's life is he left Ur, he disassociated himself, he started following God's call to the ultimate dream, and somewhere along the way, he lost sight of the dream, and he settled for something far less significant. The reason that that often happens for us is because of one of two things. It's either because of the voices around us or the vision within us. I mean, if we're gonna be people that are tenacious and are able to persevere through hardship, we have to have the right voices around us and we have to have the right vision within us. Let's talk about each one of those for just a moment. Let's think about the the right voices around us. If you dig a little bit deeper into Abram's story, what you find out is that the reason they stopped in Haran was actually because of the voice of Abram's father, Terah. And I don't know how the conversation went, but it probably went something like this, that he said, you know, we've gone far enough. We've left Ur, we've taken a little bit of the journey. Sure, we're not there, but at least we're not there, so this is good enough. And so they settled for something far less of 
what it could have been. It's interesting that the voice came in the form of his father's voice in Abram's story, but in many ways, that can play out in the very similar way in our lives. You've heard the whole adage, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because the voices that are surrounding you will dictate in some ways whether you are able to persevere to receive the ultimate vision and dream that God has for you. And if you surround yourself with voices that are not concerned with listening to God's voice, if you surround yourself with voices that are kind of half-hearted in their faithfulness, if you surround yourself with voices that, that are not concerned with you becoming the person that God has ultimately dreamed you to become, you may leave Ur, but you'll stop in Haran. Show me the voices and I'll show you your future. However, if you surround yourself with voices that, that know what's possible, that are kind of sensitive to God's leading, that, that, that are incredibly faithful along the way, the people that can kind of see the vision, that are very interested in your own personal development, your own personal transformation, that are very interested in you realizing this dream that you've set out for, show me those voices. Those are the voices that inspire me to just keep going. Show me your friends. I will show you your future. It kind of reminded me of a, of a couple of iconic movies. I was a kid in the 80s and 90s, and there was a couple of movies where you kind of had a, somebody else is a kid in the 80s and 90s. I like that. Now, now you remember these iconic movies where you kind of have the hero of the story, but behind the hero of the story, there was a hero maker in the story. There was a voice that was speaking into their life that helped them become what they would have never become without them. Take, for example, the movie The Karate Kid. Love the movie, right? You have Daniel LaRusso. He didn't listen to the voice of Johnny from Cobra Kai. Instead, he listened to the voice of? Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Gotta love Mr. Miyagi. A little wax on, wax off, Daniel's son, right? But again, it was the voice of Mr. Miyagi that helped Daniel rise to become the person that he would have never become on his own. Uh, think about another movie from the same era, the movie Rocky. How many Rocky fans do we have? Love the movie Rocky. Do you remember the, the, the person that was in Rocky's corner? Kind of his mentor, his voice, his trainer. His name was? Mickey or Mick. You got it. Uh, you should remember those words, kind of that iconic speech where he says, get back in the ring, you son of a gun. And yes, I had to edit that for church, but get back in the ring, you son of a gun. Because Mickey loves you, right? And Mickey was in his corner. Mickey was sometimes hard on him, but Mickey helped him become what he would have never become on his own. It was even the great Luke Skywalker that needed the sage wisdom from Yoda. Not baby Yoda who's just sprung on the scene. We're talking about, you know, the, the old Yoda, you know, full of all kinds of incredible wisdom. Behind every hero, there was a hero maker. Show me your friends, I will show you your future. I promise when you chase any dream that God puts on your heart, when you begin to set out for any vision that he's given you, it's the voices around you that help you just keep going. It's not just the voices around you, it's also the vision within you. What's amazing about Abram's story is that his vision, the vision that God had given them was, was bigger than Abram himself. And I love that about the story, that, that if you kind of dig into the details, what God says, is, I want you to leave the land that you grew up in, that you were connected to, but I'm going to give you a new land. 
I'm gonna make you into a great nation. This, 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 this land will be occupied by a great nation that will be your descendants. He says, I want you to leave your family, but I'm gonna give you a family that, that, that is more numerous than the stars in the so- sky and the, the sand on the seashore. And, and then he says, uh, I, I want you to leave your material wealth, like everything that you had before. But God says, I'm gonna bless you. And not only that, I'm gonna bless the entire world through you. And so everything that God asked Abram to leave, God expanded like tenfold, hundredfold, thousandfold, right? God was gonna give him something so grand. What's amazing is it was not just a vision for Abram, it was a vision for the generations to come. As a part of this vision, as God rolls it out, I mean, look what it, what it says in verse seven, I believe. It says this, to your offspring, I will give this land. It was not just about Abram, it was about all those that would follow. The vision was bigger than himself. And I'll tell you, when it comes to the vision, the dream, whatever it is that God might be calling to, if it's not connected to something that's bigger than you, the vision will erode. But when the vision gets connected to something bigger than you, it's a fuel in many ways that helps you to just keep going. Because it's bigger than us. It is connected to something that's bigger than us. It reminds me of a, of a couple of months ago. Some of you know that, that uh, I've gotten into running over the past couple of years. I uh, had the opportunity just in October to run the Chicago Marathon, which was, which was a really cool opportunity. It was a really cool honor. Uh, it was the third marathon that I've done, but I am, I am no elite athlete. You know, these marathons kind of kicked me in the teeth a little bit, but I decided to, to run the marathon in Chicago uh, for a cause bigger than myself. I, I'd, I'd run the first two and really it was really about what I wanted to do. It was about kind of, you know, the only accomplishment for myself. I decided Chicago needed to be different. And so I, I was gonna run for a, a vision beyond myself. So I did some research to some charities that, was, that, were, that were present at the Chicago Marathon and ran across a charity that's called World Vision. And I'm familiar with World Vision. I know a little bit about their work. Uh, it, it's one of the largest Christian Uh, 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 philanthropic organizations in the world doing some amazing, amazing work around the world. But it's at the Chicago Marathon specifically that they raise money for clean water efforts around the world. They're one of many organizations that are looking to eradicate a very basic need that still exists in some developing areas. In some developing areas, it's still true to this day in 2019, soon to be 2020, that there are people that, that, that have to walk up to like six kilometers a day just to access water, and that water is not clean water. And so children are making this six-kilometer you know, uh, journey back and forth to, to retrieve water for their family, but the water's still contaminated. And in these areas, sometimes the mortality rate is 50% before the age of five. 50% of kids make it to their fifth birthday because they don't have access to clean water. And we read that in the year almost 2020, we think, how can that still be? Like that's, that's what I call stupid poverty. That, that, that should not happen. And, and, and not only shouldn't it happen, I, we can do something about that. So there's many organizations that are, that are going after that particular need with the belief that we can eradicate this need within our lifetime in some places within the next few years. And so it was really good for me to learn about this and to understand this and to understand the journey of it. And so I jumped onto a very large team. There was almost 2,000 runners at the Chicago Marathon that were running on behalf of supporting this particular need and this particular issue. And so those 2,000 runners, we raised over $3 million in order to provide clean water to, I think, 60,000 people worldwide. It's awesome, awesome. 
That vision, it took hold in my heart. It, it, was, it was something unique about the experience for me. I, I remember standing in the starting grid of the Chicago Marathon, and it was not the first time that I've, I've, I've been in the starting grids of a race, right? That's a familiar experience, but this time felt different because there was a cause that was greater than myself. The race played out the way that the other two marathons I've run played out. I was fine for about 18 to 20 miles. At the 20 mile mark, I hated life. I hated everything about what was going on. My body was breaking down. I was breaking down mentally. I was thinking to myself, why in the world do I do this? This is dumb, right? Like it, it is a really painful experience for me. But what was different is this. It was at the 20 mile mark with six miles to go that this thought occurred to me that there are children around the world that cover this distance every day to go get water that's not even clean. And if I can cover this distance, we can do so that these people don't have to cover that distance ever again for water. We can do that. And it became this fuel for me in those last six miles to just keep going. Did it take the pain away? No. Did it make it easier? No. But was it fuel to just keep going? Absolutely. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It was a discovery in a moment of probably a truth that I've always known that if you pursue a dream that God puts in your heart, there will be moments that you wanna throw in the towel. There'll be moments that you wanna stop. There's be moments that it feels like this is just too hard. There'll be moments that you wanna settle in Haran, but God didn't call you to Haran. God called you to Canaan. And it's the voices around you and it's the vision within you that will allow you to just keep going. I believe in a God who's a God of second chances, who has big dreams for your life. But if you don't have a vision for your future, you'll likely return to your past. But even if you don't have 2020 vision, I'm praying that God gives you a vision for 2020. And I pray that you become people that have the courage enough to, to stop talking and to start walking. And we're not just walking on our own, we're walking connected deeply to the promise of our great God. And we know in the process, we have to surround ourselves with the right voices. We have to allow the vision to burn within us. And in, in, in God's time, God makes good on his promises. That in God's times, those visions, those dreams can become a reality in our midst. I am praying for God's best for all of us in 2020 and beyond. It's an unwritten story. And I pray that God writes the best story he's ever written in your journey. Something beyond your wildest, wildest imagination. But I think I would be amiss if I didn't also offer an opportunity for some of us when it comes to this brand new year. Again, it's a brand new year. It's a restart button. It's a reset button. It's an opportunity for a second chance, for a brand new beginning. And for some of us, we need that spiritually. And we need a truly a reset button when it comes to even our own journey with Jesus. And maybe for some of us, we, we've never even had the opportunity to surrender our lives for the very first time. And I want you to know we serve a God of second chances. Uh, we serve a God of new beginnings, of a new hope. If, if you've never surrendered your life to him, 
There has never been a better day to do so than today. Why not today? Start the brand new year as a brand new you. As I would encourage you, if you've never become a follower of Jesus, would you do that today? Would you receive the greatest gift that God has ever given us, which is a relationship through his person of his son, Jesus? God makes that available to us today. We start this new journey, this new year with a new hope that we find in him. And so I wanna give you the opportunity to become a follower of Jesus. And I want you to consider taking that even one step further. Uh, we actually have some baptismals ready in our lobby. We have everything set for you. Uh, if you wanna make that decision, if you wanna follow through with the decision to be baptized this weekend, we are ready for you. We are here to serve you. We will make it possible for you. We would love to celebrate you. I would love for you to consider taking that step. So if you'd like to do that, I would invite all of us to just to bow our heads. We're going to say a prayer together. If you want to surrender your life to him, you can just simply repeat the words of this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me overcome the challenges I'm up against. I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if, if you made that commitment, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching a line, I just ask that you would acknowledge that commitment by simply placing your hand in the air, just kind of acknowledging that commitment before God. Father, I just ask for every hand that goes up to you, I just ask they would sense your presence reaching back to them. Father, we believe that you're a God that allows us to dream big dreams and have big visions. God, you're, you're a God who has a plan for our lives and it's good, it's really good. And so Father, we surrender our lives and our stories to you and God, we just ask that you would write something beautiful, that your fingerprints would be over every aspect of our journey. God, we love you. We say thanks. We pray that in your son's name. Amen. Let's give it up for those who made decisions today.